Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. Hi, I'm Sarah Smith. If you're the type of person that goes to liberty as other people would go on safari, and the fact that John Lewis doesn't have a funeral service makes you fret, Sarah Smith cleaning cloths are for you. Sarah Smith, available from Sainsbury's for the Posher Washer. Proud sponsors of Dumpty Dum. Hello, Dumpty Dum. It's Mary, not contrary here. I heard you were desperate for more Dumpty Dums, so here it is from me. This is Dum Dee Dum the show about the reality docky drama that centered on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the much loved, dearly departed Moggy that is Royfield Brown, and with me up the hateful attack dog that is. Harriet Carmichael, a.k.a. Shambridges. And with us in the house, we are joined by... Christine Michael from the Ambridge Observer. Woohoo! And the last part of our doggy requiem is you. Now, today's Dum Dum is another classic from the vault, so please, if you want some fresh Dum Dums, Harriet is going to tell you what to do. Yes, if you'd like to sing us a Dum Dum or give us a plot prediction, then ring us on 0203-031-3105 or leave us a message on SpeakPipe. Thanks to lovely Lucy for going away so I can once again co-host this amazing show, which is without question the highlight of my career so far. And trust me, I've worked with the greats. And also thanks to Cosmo for his podcast roundups and to Sarah Smith for sponsoring us. On this week's episode, we have calls from Steve, who predicts that Pip and Toby are the new Romeo and Juliet, Jojo Sexy Hills, who's reading the runes through the music, and Witherspoon, who's dancing like he's in Rio and he's hating on Susan. But first... Before the caller in a res, let's go and meet the editor-in-chief of the Ambridge Observer. Christine, how are you? Hello. Hi, I'm very well. How are you? Not too bad, not too bad at all. Now, um, you've been... How long has the Ambridge Observer been up and running? And and how does it fear in the circulation wars with the Baltic Echo? (laughs) <laughs> oh well, I think I think we're trouncing the Borchester Echo. Really? I think uh, yes, no question about that. Our circulation manager is well, whether he's telling me lies or not, but he always seems very optimistic. But uh, it, we started um, the very end of 2014, beginning of 2015. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a brave time um, to go into print when um, everything's moving online, isn't it? It is, yes. But we've got a good distribution network. You know what? With being in now that we're we're back in the 
Bridge Farm shop now that Rob isn't there. We were in, <laughs> we were in the flood bar. Uh, you know, we, 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 we get around. So, and we're free, of course. So, you know, people can, can pick us up whenever they want. Ah, OK. Now, joke, jokes aside, uh, why did you decide to uh, do this great blog? I think it started with Twitter. Um, about sort of, I've been tweeting about the Archers for about three or four years, I think. And I was, I was doing so much tweeting that I thought, well, if I added up all these tweets every week, it might as well be a blog. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one, one weekend between Christmas and New Year, I just sort of sat down and, and wrote the first one. Um, but when it started, it wasn't really a newspaper format. It was more of a review. But since then, it's sort of found its own form more. And uh, it's much more like a, like a newspaper now. Do you reckon you're a frustrated newspaper editor? You're a bit of a Kelvin McKenzie of Borsetshire. <laughs> well, I am a newspaper editor or a magazine editor. Oh, um, by, by trade. So you're not frustrated uh, then? No, not frustrated in, a, in any way. My, my, my um, wrist has been duly slapped. I'm sorry. I, did, I, I, did, I assumed you must be a real journalist because, I mean, it's such, a, it's such an authentic paper, isn't it? It's such no, that's much. kind of yes. Uh, my my first job actually was on a farming newspaper as well, a weekly farming newspaper, um, for which I was totally unprepared. Um, but I didn't listen to the Archers then. It was only quite a few years later when I met the chap who is now my husband, and he listened to the Archers, and so did his family. So that sort of got me into it. But of course, I felt at home because I sort of knew some of the farming parlance, so hogs and hobbits and silage and that kind of thing came came fairly naturally to me. Really, mm. you could step in for the agricultural editor. Should he ever go on holiday? I, I wouldn't dream of it. That would be way beyond my skill set. Because they've got things like drones and automatic babies and all sorts of no. things now. Which I, you know, I was never up to that sort of thing. <laughs> so, You've kept up, I'm sure. <laughs> so, so you said that your, it was your hubby that got you into uh, Ambridge. Um, so yeah. what, what year was that? What vintage are you? That was about, oh, now there's a question. Um, it was early 90s, so I think the first big storyline I remember really was Elizabeth with Cameron Fraser mm. uh, when, when he treated her so cruelly um, and abandoned her at a motorway service station, if you remember. Yes. And motorway service, well, maybe you don't because you're too young to remember that, but motorway service stations do not bode well in the arches, do they? As we found with poor Heather. Um, <laughs> if, if you hear a motorway service station, it's definitely not, not a good thing. That would and I think that's where it started. <laughs> well, we should have a spin-off just set at that mo- the, the nearest motorway service station to Ambridge and the goings-on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. well, so and also, Pip and Rex had that unfortunate meeting with Alice, didn't they, at the motorway service station, where it was yes. clear oh, that yeah. you know, it wasn't going to work. So you know, it's the curse of the motorway service station, really. <laughs> and is there another curse? Because didn't Ruth, when she was going going to go off and do the deed with Sam the Wait, uh, the cowman there was something yeah. about it was a call while she was driving from the motorway service station going to Oxford and it was David saying that he was home with the kids and then she turned round no, but didn't she get to the hotel or, may, or maybe that maybe that was the mm. sure she got I think to she hotel. did get that far but I think you're right about motorways um, motorways yes I think there's a thesis to be written here yeah absolutely absolutely <laughs> <laughs> we have to do a special supplement in the observer on, on, on motorways so, yes <laughs> so you've been all kind of journalistic um and coming in from the early 90s so and that that you, you know you've got a decent vintage on you now um yeah. how, how could you how can no, you categorize that I mean in terms of Archer's <laughs> listenership 
you know, that's what I'm referring to. I'm not being ungallant. Um, how could you? How would you say uh, that uh, the archers has changed, uh, kind of thematically, dramatically, um, in that time? It's interesting. I, I think. I mean, you could say the obvious things, like it's perhaps become more more issues led, and mm-hmm. people do talk about that. I mean, the, I was just thinking about the story of Elizabeth and Cameron Fraser. And if, you, if they were doing that story now, I think it would be, be done totally differently. Um, I don't remember there being any helplines, for instance, when Elizabeth was in that yes. you know, um, terrible state. Um, and so I think maybe that the way of handling stories has changed. But I think what sort of stands out for me is the way it doesn't change, that, you know, you have, you have the seasons and you have, have the year punctuated by these fairly ridiculous events and, and you have the love affairs and you have children growing up. And, and so I think it's that sense of continuity, really, that, that, that people love about it and that kind of over, overcomes the way the series, the, the story have developed or the actors change or whatever. Mm. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, the, con- the consistency kind of, that's what we all love, isn't it? I think. Yeah. It, you, you just carry on and and you can get over these massive storylines because things are still gently rumbling on underneath. Yes, and I think the comedy has always been there. I mean, that's obviously yeah. what, what we're all about in a way. And I think I've always thought of The Archers as a comedy um, in the same way you were saying, talking last week about William Smithers and how he was talking about it yeah. as a social comedy. And the comedy has always been there. And so what I'm trying to do with The Observer, and I, I guess what you know, we're all trying to do is bring that comedy out more. It's already there, but there's just so much to go for having more, more fun with it. Um, and of course, that can make it tricky when there are very serious storylines going on. Um, but generally, I think I, I, I think of the archers as sort of a, a life-enhancing thing, really. I've always seen it as an action thriller myself. Have you? Well, that's... <laughs> Especially all the flood stuff last year. Crumbs. Well, yeah, it definitely has its noir side, doesn't it? I mean, <laughs> what's nice about the average observer is that even that's the thing. Even that the flood stuff, you can, it makes it more real because. Massive things do happen, and they are a big drama in people's lives, aren't they? But actually, when they're reported about, it makes it sound much more realistic as well. Because things, it's like um, the village I grew up in, and my parents are still there. They have, they have the the kind of newsletter every every month, I suppose. And you think, oh, something you know really big has happened, like you know a, a house caught fire, or and that's you know a huge drama for somebody. But then when it's reported about, it's kind of seems okay. It's a lot. You know, the, the, I don't know. There's something reassuring about what, you know, reassuring like, about someone's house burning down. No, it's a terrible tragedy. But I mean, the after, you know, the afterwards and and the kind of the the, the fact that it's reported about and you just that's life goes on, doesn't it? it I, yes, and I think also with the sort of local newspapers, it is it is a format, so it feels kind of quite structured and yeah, maybe it that's a bit more it. safe in a way. Yeah, maybe that's why it's reassuring. Yeah, because it's something that you know and that's familiar and yeah, the the way it's reported. Yeah. But, but it's not obviously I, I aim not to be a very competent newspaper really. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a bit hapless. So you won't expect the highest standards of reporting, but I do try and give people if you've missed it for a week, you know, I do try and give, give people a sort of a general summary of what's gone on. That's it. It's much much more interesting than the catch up isn't it, on the, the kind of synopsis <laughs> It brings it to life a bit more. So, well, that's, 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 that's good too. It's great fun to do, I have to say. It's, um, now, you know, uh, it's, it's a joy to do. On, on your team of journalists, do you have any proper muckrakers, Christine? 
And on my team of journalists, um, which is um, me, um, well, we all, we, you know, we are a lot of different hats. You know, one day we'll be, we'll be doorstepping somebody. Um, mm-hmm. The next day we'll be hanging back in the background at Harrison Burns' press conference. And the next day we might just be sitting at the bar in the ball, you know, catching up on the gossip. Um, but we do have contributors of Lavinia Catwater is probably my favourite contributor. Um, <laughs> I, I, had, I had to invent Lavinia as a way of sort of writing about the things that you just couldn't get in the local paper. They just wouldn't be reported. Um, so I lie back on my shows long with my gin and sort of think myself into Lavinia Catwater and her <laughs> romantic sagas. Wowza. We'll have to get her on next week. She sounds yeah. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> no, I might write her into a shambridge. <laughs> <laughs> An amazing name, Lavinia Catwater. I'm in love with her already. She's a psychic character, isn't she? Absolutely, absolutely. Now, so you've been with All Things Archers since the early 90s, have you said. So who has been um, your most favourite character? Oh, my most favourite, I think, uh, well, still Jill Archer, I think. I'm very fond of Jill. I, I love she's me always been Jill. There. And I love her lemon drizzle and her hello you <laughs> And I'd love to sit at her kitchen table. Um, I'm very fond of Debbie Aldridge because mm-hmm. she's so practical and, and, yeah. and a bit a bit tormented. But she'd just sort you out properly, wouldn't she, Debbie? Oh, and I love the way that she was so supportive of Kate and mm. um, that you know that that side to her. Um, so I yeah, there's a couple of couple of my favourites. Um, you know about Lee... about Jill. Just just quickly, mm. one thing I've never quite understood is. Her and Phil were such an amazing team. They completely got each other. But for me, um, the passing of Phil didn't seem to impact on her as much as I thought it would have. She seemed to just take that very much in her stride. What do you reckon? Well, she's very much took up her lip, isn't she, and sort of getting on with things. And I, I imagine that she does go and sort of commune with him quietly in, in the churchyard. Um, and I think that was one reason why she would never have moved north because she wouldn't have wanted to to leave where mm. Phil is. Um, yeah, you do, you do hear her in her quiet, private moments missing him, don't you? Like, yes, I think. Like, I think lots of people don't fall apart from on the outside, do no, they? No, no. I I wouldn't expect her to fall apart, but I thought that there could have been a nice uh, set of storylines just about her really uh, adjusting to life without Phil. And there was a, a little, so she moved to Brook, Brookfield, etc. I was going to say Brookside for a second. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> uh, brilliant. You know, um, but <laughs> considering that Phil had been in it from episode one, I think uh, a, feti- uh, a fitting kind of epitaph would have been to remember uh, much more of the kind of the history of, of Phil Archer, but maybe, maybe it's just me. Because when I came in, uh, they very much were the the alpha farming team, and um, I always loved me some some Phil, basically. Mm. Well, well, he did he did return briefly, didn't he? When David was agonising over the over the move. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, and, the and ghostly I, I Phil. Phil. Yeah, and I think Phil's absence kind of makes Jill more sympathetic to characters like Bert when you know when Bert lost Frida she's able to sort of say yes I do understand and you think yes you know we really she really does understand mm. um and I and I felt for her I think she really struggled when she had to move to Lower Loxley um with her writing desk yes um and in the Ambridge Observer we, we had Lizzie letting out her room to a photocopier salesman from Redditch because the conference was <laughs> overbooked 
And I just thought, you know, she was not in her milieu there, was she, with, mm. you know, not being able to have her own kitchen around her and all of that. So I was glad when she moved back to Brookfield, even though it was at poor Heather's expense. Mm. Heather, Heather got the worst part of the deal there, didn't she, really? A- absolutely. And I suppose, just, just to end up on, on old Jill and Phil, the fact that she's so anti the Fairbrothers is to do with Grace, which is really to do with Phil in, in you know, in a long-winded roundabout way. Exactly, and I hope that's why the Fairbrothers stay around, because I think we we may see more of that playing out, especially as she's already seen what Toby and Pip are up to. Mm. Um, and I think there will be, you know, just harsh words said about that before too long, which will all make for, for some drama and some fun. So which of yeah. the, which character since um, you've been listening, have you kind of, um, kind of struggled to, to get your head around? Oh, goodness. Um, well... Uh, Will Grundy, you know, he he is moody and and mean and and not magnificent. Um, mm. And I, I, although I miss him in a funny way, um, because he, he you know he just sort of hangs around being difficult. Uh, although Nick, I think, has been the, the making of him, and and I miss Nick as well because I imagine she's stuck in children's church somewhere. Um, she seemed to go off there a few months ago and oh, yes. never reappear. Yeah, yes. they did. They did kind of carry on that. Yeah, that that was going somewhere, that story, a little bit, wasn't it? Her joining yeah, the way they... Why and all that. And then and now now they've just completely neglected her. Yes, and we don't we don't hear from her at all, which is a shame. Um, and I think Kate is really difficult. I mean from from a, a humour point of view, she just keeps on giving. But I think she's a fairly despicable character. Um, in terms of, you know, leaving her children and, and making mm. life difficult for Phoebe and the sponging and all of that. And so I have great fun with her, but I, I wouldn't like to have her on, on my team in any way, really. Mm. I, I think Kate Kate's an interesting character because she's the one obvious female character who's written unsympathetically. You know, there's there's no two ways about it, but still very believably. So you believe her as 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 a human being, and I think I've said before on a dumpty dum that you know I've I, I had a girlfriend that fundamentally was a Kate once. So I recognise men, many of the kind of character traits, but right. um, but in terms of making somebody who is uh, basically an antagonist, but who uh you still believe um you know she she's a great character but yes n- and not a great human being no, but she's still like she's likable though she she's lovable because she's because she's i don't know i i really don't know because she's so self-absorbed and the the fact that she has left her children and doesn't seem to recognize to be fair to her she has recognized it because she did say to Roy you did bring up uh, Phoebe um, etc and and every now and then Phoebe does remind her that she has two children in South Africa but I don't know if I like her though I, I like her as a character I don't like her as a person there's two different things yeah I mean I wouldn't want her to be my mum or my sister probably, but <laughs> I still yeah, think you'd be off to Oxford if she was but yeah, she, I mean, she, she's certainly a compelling character. Isn't yeah, she's she? absolutely. I, I, I was very worried when I thought for a moment that she and Roy might get back together when they had yes. the launch of the spa, well, but thank goodness they didn't. I still yeah. think that might yeah. run and run that Me too. one. Yeah. You know, I worry. Don't, don't you? Don't you want Roy and Haley to get back together? I, I do, absolutely, absolutely. But you know, it's. Uh, it's it's almost the end of the summer, you know. Those long autumn nights are about to start drawing in. Just before Haley hit, you know, comes back to Ambridge, you know, it's 
a little bit of a kiss and a cuddle wouldn't hurt anybody and it would you know it would make us all kind of you know recoil with horror but it'd be a great bit of drama (laughs) yeah but no i I do want him and Haley to get back together yes i do i can see you're picturing it already though I've never, I remember way back in the 90s when they went off to Glastonbury and her and Roy got, got together. I never believed it back then. I didn't. But I didn't put too much critical kind of thought into it. I just thought, mm, I don't believe, because she was just too much of a racy character. And even back then, he was just too dull. Mm-hmm. Um, so the very fact that they got together back then was, was never believable for me. But I think they've managed over the intervening, what, 18 years or whatever the heck it is, however old Phoebe's supposed to be, to plausibly put together this kind of blended family storyline whereby the two completely different characters and and how they've managed, and, and it's been Roy and Haley, admittedly, but how they've managed to bring up um, Phoebe. And I, and I think that's uh, it's, it, it's been brilliant and, and very believable. Um but there obviously is something, whatever that something is, between the pair of them. And I think we saw it uh, about a month ago or so when she was getting her press launch ready and Roy stepped into the breach and she did appreciate Roy's help. And we kind of know what where this was all kind of heading. It didn't get there, but it was definitely going in that direction. Yeah, no, that's right. But I know, and maybe there, there is something about Roy, though, because I never believed him and Lizzie either. I almost no. stopped listening at that point. No. Mm. But that's the Roy thing. You can, I can believe Roy being fond of. Um, well, maybe Kate. Roy's got and got some kind of asset that is just lost on radio. I don't know. <laughs> oh yeah, the, the, maybe he has. Him and Lizzie was just not believable, was it? it just yeah, I didn't like that. No, I, I I rather hope that she'd get together with that nice Ifty who was teaching the the boys cricket. He, mm. he seemed he seemed nice. I mean, as a way of you know getting back into the relationship thing. Not not a rolling attempt with Roy. That that just didn't didn't mm. appeal to me at all on any level. But it no. was a good story. That's the thing. Oh, it was it, great. Yeah. It, it, was re- it was really it really it was it is brilliant when they shock us. Yes, or they surprise us. And uh, something that's, that's really un because actually that's the thing you know you know when you're in a tent in a field and it's dark, uh, well you know it could be anyone, couldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to get Lavinia Catwater onto this. I think you know, trial, trials, trials in my tent or something. I don't know. But <laughs> I, I, I feel you've got an anecdote or two to 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 launch into us in in with that uh, there, Harriet. No, that's all I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) But we've all been there several times. One of the things that I love about Ambridge Observer is that you do look at all of village life, don't you? So, um, you know, even the the cricket team and uh, Harris McBurns, you know, it's all followed uh, on the Ambridge Observer. So um, do you think he's the right man to turn the cricket team around? Probably. Yes, because I think he's quite diligent. I think he's obviously trying a bit too hard at the moment with this art of war stuff. Isn't he just? I think uh, just a bit. And I think a, a couple of them might sort of re- rebel against against that. Mm. Um, and I can't believe that Rob made such a difference last season that, you know, he was the, the one player that got them to the top of the league. So I've got, got hopes for Harrison, I think. Yeah, what, what do you think? Um, my, my problem is with him. You're completely right. Number one, he's trying too hard. And 
also you can't be bollocking if you if you can only turn out nine players the week beforehand and then people are coming up to practice and they're coming coming five minutes late it's not wise to be absolutely jumping on their backs and giving them a right rollicking uh, so he really does need to sort out his kind of captaining style um, mm. which seems to be somewhat schizophrenic with actually how he is as a person however um I think I can't remember who exactly said it last week. It's a caller in that actually said they can foresee that Harrison and Fallon are going to be going to become the linchpin of the village. So you have Harrison um, cricket team, then Fallon is going to start doing events, and um, I think that that in and of itself would be kind of would be nice that we are seeing this kind of passing of the generational baton so to speak so um but for me he's just a little bit too vanilla he's too vanilla and there there is something you know he's just that sheet sheet of blank a4 paper and we we, he needs something else thrown at him as a character for me to absolutely believe in he's been too worthy policeman like as well hasn't he he's kind of like he's the good guy but actually, I'm not sure if that really fits with his kind of, you know, his character. Maybe if he wasn't a policeman, mm. that he could have he could have shown a bit more rebellion or, you know, a bit more well, of his personality. No, because I tell you, DC Dave Barry back in the 80s, which I know is before everybody's time here, That's other than mine, he, he was a proper bastard. So you had a policeman in the village who was just I mean, not nice. You were allowed to be a bastard if you were a policeman back in the 80s. You can't well, that, is that is true. That is true. Which, you, Well, I'm supposing that you, Christine, you know, give harassment bungs to get stories and stuff. Absolutely. Well, his press conferences are legendary. I mean, you know, they are. Um, and, uh, but he's so useless. He is the, a useless policeman i mean the crime rate in ambridge is appalling and you know the, the unsolved list is as long as your arm I mean, exactly we've had where's arson, the bunting we've had, yeah we've had rustling we've had the bunting we've had burglaries and you know no and graffiti and vandalism and no one has ever been brought to book no one even fallon, you know, no not that's even not clear. quite true he fallon's dad he did arrest fallon's dad give him that he did yeah. <laughs> where is he even based is he based at like borsidgeshire police station I mean, you know, like in the olden days, they well, or about 30 years ago, there used to be towns and villages had a police station, didn't they? Or a house, at least. But where does where is he kind of, you know? You know it, it was built. said, when he came in, it was said, and I can't remember it's Felpershire, but it must be Borsetshire, and he, um, you know, he's the kind of patrolling policeman or something or another. But it, it actually was said at the very start, but I can't remember. Cosmo... Right. Please, can you just yeah. <laughs> fill well, us I kind in? I just assume he's like the policeman of Ambridge and has a motorbike and just rides around, you know, like a... I like think, a... Yeah, I think in real life, I mean, like our local uh, safer neighbourhood team um, look after 47 villages. Good heavens. So, so he's yeah. going to be quite busy if he's got a very yeah. big area like so that. So fair but then just, He must be exhausted when it comes to he, cricket practice. He must, yes. <laughs> So, but at least Fallon is there now to do the washing and, and make the make the make the tea. Yeah, exactly. So I'm ta- I'm, ta- I said this last week, but I just find the whole cricket thing with this making the teas deeply uncomfortable. Um, 
but Christine, I take it that you you actually live in the countryside. You're one of these weird and wonderful people of which you know Ambridge is the, the real backdrop of your life. So is this what goes on? Well, I think it, I think it is. Yes, as far as cricket's concerned. I mean, I, I think it's a really good point about the archers generally. I would love to see a man make his own sandwich. <laughs> apart from Ian, who does it for a living, obviously. Mm, but that's other a than very that, good point. They are just useless. Um, and, you know, women and, and uh, people bring them flasks of coffee and sandwiches and cakes all the time. And they, they never even, you know, Brian is at a complete loss, isn't he? If, if Jennifer leaves the kitchen for 10 minutes, he doesn't know where to find anything to eat. It is ridiculous, really. Yeah. Mm. That, yeah, that, yeah. It, it is a bit unbalanced. But then yes. that must be, presumably that is a typical village. I just think it's just typical men. We're just hopeless, really. I've also, also got a thing about proper coffee. I would love, I would love Jennifer and Jill to drink instant coffee for once, or just <laughs> stick a tea bag in a mug instead of always having, you know, a fresh pot ready or Listen, you know, the perfect. Yeah, they, they, they love a cappuccino when they go to Felpe. <laughs> <don't they? laughs> actually, you just think, oh, but it's a really disgusting one. <laughs> I mean, one it's of those gritty ones. Yeah, <laughs> really weak and milky, but they love it. They love a cappuccino in Fulkersham. <laughs> it's a treat, isn't it? It's, you know, it's, it's a nice treat. We have managed to just about stay clear of the storyline of of the, of the decade. Um, That's where, so old now. Where do you stand on this, uh, Christine? Uh, well, um, I think uh, the programme is called The Archers. So I think um, I, that's my only ever prediction about the archers is that it's called the archers. And so if your name is Archer or has been Archer, you're likely to come out of things okay in the end. Um, so I've got my fingers crossed for Helen, but things are looking a bit bleak at the moment, given as she won't say anything. And mm. Anna seems about um, as investigative <laughs> as one of my junior reporters. <laughs> funny isn't it she's such an amateur or seems to be i mean you just go oh my god just wouldn't you just do the obvious and go and talk to people why try and get everything out of helen yeah why does, when she doesn't she do her own work i, I know twitter gets very Jesus. gets very irate about this as well and i think there are people who have legal experience say that it's you know it wouldn't actually happen like that and uh, and I suppose they have to kind of condense things and gloss over things for the sake of the drama but it, it is getting to the point where you just think oh you know thank goodness Jess turned up uh, mm. this week anyway um, so perhaps there is there is hope but it, it's just so frustrating and meanwhile Rob seems to just be playing everything um, to his own advantage doesn't he it's, it's yeah um, I really like really. I really liked the Rob and Emma scene, actually. I thought that was really clever. Mm. You know, when she went over there to kind of go, oh, well, these are my terms and I'm not sure about it. And and then he and he completely turned it around, didn't he? And yes. said, and you know, and, and uh, so already she's kind of under his spell. I thought it was really yeah. good. I thought they played it really well. Mm. Yes. Yes, yes, they did. That's and of course, the and, but then Emma at least had doubts. And Susan said, well, you know, if you're going to betray your best friend, at least get some good money for it. Which <laughs> 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 yeah. is just so Susan, isn't it? I, mm. I love that about <laughs> Susan. Um, so who knows? But we haven't got long to wait for the trial now, have we? We've just a few more weeks to go. No, true. 
true, true, true. Um, now, I reckon that, uh, Christine, that we should just about start, start to wrap things up. Okay. But before we do, I think you should tell the good listeners of Dum De Dum um, where they can find the Ambridge Observer and all the other wonderful things uh, on social media uh, that you do. Oh, well, um, you can find the Ambridge Observer at ambridgeobserver.blogspot.co.uk, I think. Um, and I'm on Twitter as at C.E. Michael or the Ambridge Observer. And there's a Facebook page of the Ambridge Observer as well. But um, I'm, I'm kind of hard to miss, really, because I'm on Twitter quite a lot. And um, and if I'm you just Google Ambridge Observer, you, your your website comes straight up. It should, yeah, it should do. It's, um, it's, um, it's been fantastic how people have, have, have really liked it and responded to it. And actually, the archers themselves have been great in supporting it and stuff. So, I mean, not not in any, you know, official way, but, but they, they support it on their social media, which is yeah. just lovely. So, yeah. um, so yes, it has to, it, it is, you know, up there. You can find it quite easily, yeah, yeah. Um, but isn't it quite fun just to be part of this tribe? It is, of, of absolutely. Of people who just love the archers and, you know, we, we can kind of be creative about it and, and find these kindred spirits in all different formats. I think it's just brilliant. Yeah. It That's is. the thing. I, I wonder if there's any, you know, if there's a Coronation Street dot observer dot blogspot. I don't think so. You can't do it with anything else. I don't know. And I think it's radio that is, it gives you the space, actually, to, to, yeah. to fill these creative gaps, really. Because I mean, there's no point doing Coronation Street in Lego, really, is there? Because, <laughs> because, because you can see it every week. Um, whereas, it, it, what would the arches be without, without the plarchers? How did we manage without the plarchers, you know? Um, <laughs> that is very true. That is yeah. very true. Christine, Michael, can we have you back on again? Oh, I'd be absolutely delighted, yes. Good, It'd right. be great fun. Thank you so much. Well, I think what definitely, definitely, after the end of the trial, uh, we're going to have to have um, a big Ambridge Observer scoop where oh, you can give yeah, us the you know, gonna... proper lowdown on everything. Your, your, what is your headline going to be? That's the thing. <laughs> it's going to be brilliant, I have, isn't I have it? I have, have to write six different ones and, and, and I go with whichever <laughs> yes. one is the actual verdict. Who knows at this point? It's all to play for. <laughs> We'll be catching up with you again soon then, Christine. You take care. Thank you very much. You too. Lovely to talk to you. Take care. Bye-bye. 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 I loved her. Oh, she was brilliant. Yes. Yeah, you should definitely get her on soon. Mm. You know what? She's an expert. Yeah, she would have been better to have on than you. Well, I know. I know. I always said, didn't I? I've been saying for months and months. To be fair, you did say that you weren't going to be very good. (laughs) <laughs> have, you noticed how, have you noticed how quiet I'm being? Because, because I listened to last week's and I thought, oh my God, just shut up. I'm so annoying. I just kept interrupting you. Are you still there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought, I'd just, just, just let you talk. No, it, 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 was, it, was a lot, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun I'm last being week. Really quite, I'm, I'm being really good at listening. Uh, but, mm. You didn't display much of that last week, but it was very entertaining. But you know what? I earned my money editing last week's show. Yeah, I know. I know. As I said on Twitter, I said it is all in the edit. I thought it was a very good edit. No, no. I thought no. it would have been about three hours long, wouldn't it? But listen, it's not just in the edit. You're actually quite funny. Uh, you know, you know who else kind of has funny comedic turns and insights? Who? Caller Inneris. Oh. Hang on, shall I find the script again now? 
Hang on. <laughs> you, you know, when I say stuff like that, you can have those thoughts in your head, Harriet. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. Yeah. Smashing. Cooler in us. Hello, Ambridge 3962. First up, we have Steve. Hello, Dumpty Dum. Steve here. Three plot predictions. First one, Pip and Toby. I think that they're going to fall hopelessly in love with each other. Mainly because the relationship is totally based on truth. They know everything about each other. They know all the history, all the past. And also, they have got no hang-ups. But what's interesting is that Toby's like a lifeboat. He's on call 24-7. Pip rings up and bang. Sorry, that's a bit sort of dodgy really, but bang, Toby's there. And there's no chance of him actually going astray because he's at Pip's beck and call all the time. And to push the lifeboat analogy a bit further, he's always ready to dip into the waters at 24-7. So, yeah, they're going to fall in love, hopelessly in love. And it's going to piss Rex off. going to be lots of shenanigans about the business, and it's going to get very messy, but that's warming up to be a really good story. This is all predicated on what Goddess Steve has been putting on the forums about having a lesbian character. I think Phoebe is going to be the lesbian character, because... She was distraught at the way her mum and dad behaved. And she's probably thinking, men are not worth it, because she had that total twonk of a boyfriend. And um, she's going to think, it's not worth it. I'm going to go off solids and start dating women. Uh, there you go. Bye-bye, bye-bye, mwah, bye-bye. Love you, bye-bye, 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 mwah. Steve, bye-bye. Now, Steve oh, yeah. predicts... Bye-bye, bye-bye. That Pip and Toby are the new Romeo and Juliet because their relationship is built on trust. What do you reckon? Oh, yeah, I totally agree. They're they're definitely going to fall in love and, 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 you know, Toby's going to be completely taken aback. Well, he's already in love with her, I think. Well, you know, I think, Steve, you must be Nostradamus because I think this is going to come to pass. And what did it for me was... Her, him saying to her, do you want to go away for for a weekend? Yeah. Now, he's not just having a little bit of a roll around in the hay if he's saying stuff like that, is he? No, he wants to spend time with her. Mm. And and again, Steve, you did say that, you know, uh, she's very, she is in the driving seat. She's saying when they can meet and when they can't. And, yeah. you know, and yes. Well, it's know. because suddenly mm. he's doing the chasing, which he's never done before. So, you know, he's going to, you know, you, you fall in love with what you can't have, can't do you? Or, you know, you, you want it more. Was that the story of you and Rufus? <laughs> <laughs> the other way around, though. Really? <laughs> did, you, no. did you meet him in a tent? A darkened tent? <laughs> Actually, it wasn't a tent. It wasn't, no. Well, it, was um, it, was it darkened, though? <laughs> it was a party. It was a really good party. Yeah. Um I think, yeah, no, I think they're going to, yeah, definitely fall in love. And then I thought, actually, after, from having thought about what Steve said, I thought maybe then Rex will go away 
because they don't really need the two brothers anymore, do they? They've kind of done that opposite story, you know. I mean, kind of Rex is just going to be a boring spare part because they can't do the, um, you know, Will and Ed rivalry thing because they've done it. Mm. So I think Rex might just go away and then it'll be Pip and Toby and that will be, you know, there'll be another power couple. Mm. I've no idea what's going to happen to anyway, the, the other, right. the other uh, fair brother sibling. But what uh, I do think is that I'm going to say 10 out of 10 to the script writers for throwing us a bit of a googly for a, yeah. a, a, a cricketing analogy for us to think, well, it's obviously going to be Pip and Rex, um, you know, who are going to walk off into the sunset, but it's actually looking like it's going to be Pip and Toby. Yeah, definitely. No. And I think they might end up being a serious couple and, mm. you know, and then maybe Toby will change and or, or calm down a bit at least. Well, maybe part of, well, you know... Then th- we'll find out what that Brighton thing is, won't we? Yeah. Because I always thought he had another family, but then that was dismissed, wasn't it, ages ago? That he had, like, a child there. Wasn't that... Well, yeah, no, Lucy and I did have a, a chat about this. But yeah. the very fact that Rex would say, do you need to go to Brighton again, says to me it can't be a child, because then no. he would understand the reason why he'd be going to Brighton. So it can't be yeah. that. Uh, yeah. you know, but it's some nefarious, something to do with but, money or yeah. something or another. But I don't know. Yeah. Maybe him and Alistair are, like, doing something together in Brighton. Mm. Mm. Wouldn't that be interesting? <laughs> yes, and they'll, everything will be tied up. <laughs> um. <laughs> now, uh, Joe. And, and, mm? Yeah, sorry. No, no, no. Because no, look, I wrote, I wrote proper notes. Okay, this week. go on. Go so, on. So look, not only did Steve talk about that, mm. um, Henry cricket injury. Totally yes. agree. Phoebe lesbian. Mm, I don't agree. Actually, I don't think so. I think she really. She's been in love and, well, I, I, I don't know. But anyway, interesting. Interesting. Right. That's my, that's my notes. Okay. It just says Smashing. Henry Cricket, Phoebe Lesbian. Uh, Jojo Seals now, please. Uh, yeah. All right. One of these days these boots are going to walk all over you. Hi there, Dumpty Dummers. It's Jojo Sexy Heels here. And once again, it's the background music that has prompted me to call in. Um, I've got two plot predictions. The first one really is, it's the hints of things to come that you get in this in the background music. And this week we had a conversation between Susan and Emma regarding Titchy Nob's request that Emma be a babysitter for little Henry. Whilst the two women were debating the pros and cons of putting Henry first so that he could play with his friends, rather than whether Pat and Tony might feel betrayed by Susan and Emma's decision to support Titchy Knob, in the background was the Andrews sisters singing Don't Fence Me In. And once again, once reviewing the lyrics, uh, a couple of the lines jumped out at me and I can really see some more parallels to the archers. And in particular, the incident where Shula observed Titchy Knob beating up um, the hunt saboteur. Oh, give me land, lots of land under starry skies above. Well, that's reminding me that Titchy Knob actually has no property of his own. You know, he's married a farmer's daughter to get his foothold into the door. Um, 
And to be honest, is Toby Fairbrother any different? Looks like he's chasing after Pip because he's got no money of his own. Another line was, standing by the sheriff's side and when the sheriff said, I'm sending you to jail, the wildcat raised his head and cried. I actually believe that Shulop's conscience will win and the ABH-GBH with the Hunt Saboteur will finally be known by all and no longer will he be the village hero, but he'll be seen as the selfish bully that he really is. Another line was, there will be no more um, let me ride through the wide open country that I love. He will indeed be fenced in. I fervently hope that the final line is very true. Send me off forever, but I ask you please, don't fence me in. Let's hope it is going to be the end of Titchy Knob. Okay, uh, speak to you all soon. Hope that gets uh, the juices rolling for everybody. Bye now. One of these days, these boots are gonna walk all over you. Now, Jojo. Oh, sorry. Now, now Jojo uh, is very smart. She always reads the runes on what's going to happen through the music which is played in the background. Yes, I love right. that. Now, um, do you think... Spotify. Mm. I was just going to have a little um, listen to it on Spotify. Right now? Yeah. In the middle of the show? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're, 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 you're absolutely uncontrollable. <laughs> I didn't have time to do it earlier. Well... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's Frank Sinatra. Anyway, I uh, yeah, I just couldn't remember. I love the Andrew Sisters, but I couldn't remember the tune. Um, I was just thinking of "Don't Sit Under the Apple Tree." Anyway, you're, you're wildly out of control, Harriet. <laughs> Can I just okay? No, go on. You you chat while I find it. Right. Um, I, <laughs> I'm just stunned. Uh. Should Emma have said yes to babysitting Henry? Um, well, I mean, to be fair to Emma, I know it's like a betrayal and everyone's saying no, no, no. And the archers did a poll, didn't they? And everyone said, no, she shouldn't. She should have said no. Mm. But she does need the money. She needs the extra money. And also, if I was Pat, I would be really pleased. And if I was Helen, I'd be really pleased. Because you'd think that that then you would kind of, you could... Hel- um, Emma could influence Henry and talk about his mum and but mm. the trouble is of course Emma's going to be completely manipulated now isn't she I suppose uh, you know you're, you're completely right she needs the money etc but a better way of going about it would have been to march round to Pat and say Pat yeah, um, yeah. Rob has yeah. asked me to, to babysit yeah. uh, etc how do you feel about it and then yeah. also, you know, try and send some kind of smoke signal to Helen in the clink, you know, a write a letter or whatever the heck, yeah. you know, because, yes, you can construct a very valid argument that says this is good for Henry because yeah. it's somebody outside of Rob's control who is seeing the way that he is with Henry, keeping tabs on him, etc., etc. But the way it plays out, unless she's gone to the family first and says she's going to going to do this, it looks like betrayal. Yeah, you're right. She she was a bit silly. She should have she should have said something. But she when she went round to Rob, she hadn't completely made up her mind, had she? 
But then he basically turned the whole thing on its head anyway, because she was about to go, I'm not sure about this. Yeah, and... but she still could have gone round to Pat before and says, look, uh, you know, Rob has asked me, would I yeah. look after Henry, do some babysitting, Pat? What do you reckon? I haven't quite made my mind up, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Um, and then I thought, mm. oh, do you think Rob will seduce her? Or is that just too stupid? No, that's, that's too much. <laughs> That's, All right. that's, that's so I'd too throw much. It in. I'd throw it in. You never know. Mm. Quite interesting. Um, now, the, the last thing that uh, Jojo talked about was Shula. Yeah. yeah. Now, um, yeah. she can't be the bleeding heart Christian that she claims to be and not ultimately oh, yeah. do the right thing. Well, didn't actually quite... Oh, uh, yeah, so did jo- Jojo meant that that she was kind of being hypocritical by not yeah, but she wasn't being supportive enough. Oh, no, I think Witherspoon was saying that as well. Mm. Oh, I can't remember. Anyway, sorry. My, my name... <laughs> Scrap that bit. <laughs> <laughs> Can you just answer my point, then? I'll just Don't go like worry this. who I'll... actually said it. Answer it, please. No, I'm just going to go like this. Mm. Is that your considered response? Mm. <laughs> that means, no, you carry on talking about it. <laughs> well, I've asked you a question. I can't remember what the question was. Shula, will she go to the Rosers yeah. and say, actually, yeah, she, she lied? Yes, yeah. yeah, well, she definitely should, yeah. No, this is what Witherspoon was talking about as well, because she definitely should. But her worry now, after Alistair was so horrible, mm. is that she's um, uh, that she's broken the law. But then we don't know if she's broken the law, do we? Because apparently... No, well, well she's, she, she, she has lied. The, the question she... for me is, would she get any kind of sentence for this? That, no. Well, surely well, not. Surely not. No, no, of course not. Because presumably she'd go and say, I was really confused. I felt, you know... The, and also, wouldn't you just blame Rob for kind of, you know, making you confused and manipulating... Well, he, he did bully her, didn't he? Well, exactly. That's the thing, and you could go. It just, you know, because or at least she, she felt she that she didn't. Anyway. She did lie, but she didn't. She did it for the right reasons, didn't she? She didn't what, do to it to save protect- the hunt. I don't know if that's uh, the right reason in and of but itself. But but yeah, you know. But yeah, she well, felt she, she a certain amount of coercion. That's yeah. the thing. Yeah, didn't she? Yeah, and that must happen all the time. No, exactly. The, the not only, her and... Yeah, the only, the only the other thing is to say about this, and I can't remember where I saw this, whether it was on the forum or, or wherever. And just whilst I'm on the forum, um, if you want to um, have a bit of an insight into the legalese of all of this, Mid Miss City is doing a blinding job on the forums, folks. Oh, uh, you know, she's there answering people's questions and uh and and taking things to pieces etc so miss mid city uh bravo to you madam uh you're doing a sterling job hi it's miss mid city and i'm still sad and mourning the loss of scruff but it was all handled very sensitively uh, so he's gone off to the great doggy kennel in the sky uh i'm also unhappy about anna Tregoran, and i don't know what she's doing is she a barrister or is she a barista who serves coffee I don't know. Why she's pursuing character witnesses is a little bit baffling to me because she still doesn't have an actual defence yet. 
there were only three witnesses to what happened that fateful evening with the stabbing. That's Helen, Rob, and Henry. There are no other witnesses that are going to be any use as to her state of mind before or after. Of course, you've got Kirsty, you've got Pat, the allegation that she threatened to kill Rob and all the rest of it. Fine. I don't really think Jess is going to add an awful lot to this. Jess is going to come along and say, oh, he was a horrible husband to me. Fine. That means he was a horrible husband to Helen. Fine. But Jess didn't stab him. Helen did. Helen's the one who needs a defence. It's going to have to be something a bit more than what she's coming up with so far. Uh, As for Shula, Shula will also come along at some point, perhaps, and say, oh, he was a horrible person. He hit a hunt saboteur. Fine. Doesn't explain why Helen stabbed him that evening. Helen's going to have to speak up for herself at some point. And the idea she could actually do it on the witness stand is nonsense. So this whole storyline is very misleading, dangerously so. It's not possible, as far as I'm concerned, as far as I'm aware, not possible to be presenting your defence in the witness stand. You need to give the prosecution a chance to investigate it. And uh, you, you can't surprise them with the evidence on the day of the trial. This is stupid. As to Shula and Jess and the quality of any evidence they're going to give, I would have thought they're pretty easy to discredit. Uh, Shula, (laughs) if Shula now comes forward and salves her conscience by saying, I lied to the police, she's not going to be an awful lot of use as a witness who has a self-confessed liar. And Jess coming along now and saying, I was this man's wife, he treated me appallingly doesn't explain why she wanted him back and wanted him to be the father of the child that turned out not to be his child. And she's she may well be an embittered spouse or just a very confused woman. Too easy, I think, to, to discredit her. So I wouldn't be relying on her. Helen hasn't apparently got any kind of defence and doesn't seem capable of defending herself insofar as she's providing her defence counsel with absolutely nothing. To defend her. Um, it's a stupid nonsense the way this is being portrayed. I've kind of had enough. I was really cross on Friday. I'm less cross now, but if I give it any thought, I will be oh, I will be really annoyed. Anyway. But yeah, but but the one thing about the whole Shula thing is that of course, you know, her turning around now and changing the story could well be that she's just trying to back up a cousin. You know, it, yeah, it, it is a family yeah. member, so it doesn't it doesn't smack yeah. as if she's some independent witness at all. Yeah. You know, but the trouble, the thing is, she would have gone to the police any, but had I mean, honestly, Alistair was so horrible. Yeah, I, I didn't understand that. And myself, even but... if he is having an affair and hates her, I mean, he's hated her for ages, hasn't he? But what he what didn't well, used to be got, nasty. He's in good company there. You know, just about every listener in the art has ate, ate Shula too. <laughs> 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 but he used to just tolerate her mm. at least he was never that nasty was he well a bit I, of a, and he's mm, so like you know, tame we, the rest yeah, of the time oh no, absolutely the the other thing to be said about the last week in in the archers was alistair talking to was it to docky locky talking about what goes on in people's marriages and you never really know oh and well, obviously I... he was talking about his own Oh, I think I missed that. Again, yeah, I... he had this whole thing about saying that... Because they're obviously talking about Rob and Helen and you never really know oh, what goes yeah, yeah, on. And, you know, and he's obviously talking about his own. Oh, God, you're so clever, Royfield. I didn't no, pick up on that. You know, what I do is I listen. 
<laughs> the thing is, I just kind of occasionally, you know, if I'm cooking, mm. then sometimes it's just noise right. in the background. Y- yeah. You know, you can't be on it all the time. You know what? Right, Harriet, I think you might have just... Re- that's going to be on your epitaph for you being a, a dum-de-dum uh, co-host. It's just noise in the background. <laughs> really comforting noise. Like, a, you know, like a lovely song you hear a lot and, you know, mm. makes you feel good. It's just really comforting. But, um, God, well done. Yeah, that's exactly right. Mm. That's the thing. Poor script writers. You know, it is wasted, isn't it, on some of us. <laughs> Uh, just before we go on to Witherspoon. Yeah. Uh, have you got a dog? No. Ever had one? Yeah. When it passed. Oh, yeah. Um, How do you feel? Well I, well, I was a child, so I think I was very sad, but I didn't... But you bounced back quite yeah, quickly. Yeah, you do date when you're a child. It was devastating, mm. uh, but I can't say that the feeling stuck with me, but I really... Um, oh, I thought that was so... It was so lovely the way they did it with Linda. And I was trying to remember today what the, you know, on the the scene where he actually died, where she was mm-hmm. with Fallon. What did she say? She said it was a really nice expression. She said something like the, he's ran his last road or something. Do you remember? Yeah, it, said, it, it, it was something a bit kind of touching. <laughs> so you didn't remember. <laughs> None of us can actually remember what was said. But no, just coming... <laughs> Coming back, because last week you came out the whole load of predictions saying, oh, Fallon can't, Bit can't run things. It's got to be Linda and blah, blah, yes. blah. And obviously that was imagine? just before we'd actually listened to that Sunday, uh, Sunday yeah. episode. And I absolutely loved that episode. Yeah, it was I loved great. every yeah. line, every yeah. comma, every full stop, you know, yeah. every paragraph break. I just thought it was great. And... Yeah. Um, I love the fact that it was the two grandmothers at the start. It was Lillian and Linda. Really love that. Nice. Yeah, and it was really believable. All of that. It, it absolutely was. I love uh, Fallon's kind of kind of panic, but then her just going right. Yeah. There's only one person who can rescue this. Yeah. And then Linda swan it swanning around like she like the celebrity that that she is, and it and was just so, great. It was absolutely yeah. lovely. And actually, it's funny. You should read uh, Christine's. Uh, Ambridge Observer on it because it's very funny she talked you know she's kind of reporting about Linda swanning around in, in what she's dressed in I can't remember what she said but it's very funny that's worth a read it was really clever that really mm. good and, now, but I did I did say he was going to be ill so you know I got about yeah no you said you, you said there'd be something funny. and he wouldn't wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't show right now with a spoon oh no what's his theme music again <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was like, blankety blank. No, it's not that. No. Toss salads and scrambled Uh, eggs. Yeah, Yeah. it's really good. Yeah, but it's just more noise to you, though, isn't it? Um, Has Jojo Sexy Heels got theme music? Uh, No. She should do. These boots were made for walking. Oh, that would be, yes. That's what what it should be. Yeah, the trouble is you're going to end up having music for everyone, aren't you? Exactly. And especially if people like you say... (laughs) You know, everyone should have their own music. But anyway, uh, yeah, with a spoon. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. 
Greetings, Harriet Royfield, Millie Bell, and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here, still dancing around the living room in the spirit of the Rio opening ceremonies. My sense is that Americans allow themselves to enjoy such spectacles more than Brits do. I also can't believe how quickly the last four years since the London Olympics have gone. The topic of time passing quickly leads us to the sad event that ushered in the past week in Ambridge, the peaceful but surprising death of Scruff. My condolences to Linda, and may I say to her, why couldn't it have been Rob? Rob was his usual despicable self in his manipulation of Emma, and that led to the infuriating conversation between Susan and Pat. First, Pat has such a difficult time handling stressful news and becomes easily overwhelmed. She could have just told Susan that she wanted to talk with Emma about the background of this, that she had previously gone to Rob and offered her help in babysitting Henry and was refused. I believe that Emma would have felt used by Rob and gone back and told him to shove his job where the sun doesn't shine. Well, she probably wouldn't have, but I would have encouraged her to do so. Then there's Susan. I continue not to be a fan of hers. First she tells Emma not to tell anyone about the babysitting job, and then she spills the beans to Pat. Really not surprising, because she tries at any turn to one-up her employer. She so resents that she and Neil are dependent upon Pat and Tony for a good chunk of their income that she will do whatever she can to undermine the employer-employee dynamic. Because Pat is so easily flustered, Susan was able to change the discussion to one in which she was the one offended because Emma's loyalty to Helen was being questioned. In fact, I do question Emma's loyalty to Helen, and I also question the loyalty of Shula, Caroline, and Alistair to their relative and friend as well as their basic sense of ethics and fair play. That fair play comment is especially meant for cricketer Alistair. So Shula, as Spike Lee would say, do the right thing. I think she eventually will. As I think Jess will talk to Anna. I'm not sure why she's reluctant to do so, considering that she was willing to talk to Helen on the Friday before the fateful Sunday dinner. It all seems complicated and confusing. Back to the theme of time going quickly. The residents of Ambridge are beginning to remind us that September and the trial will soon be upon us. In reality, it's clear that Helen is still much too traumatized to stand trial. But Anna, do we still have faith in you as a trial lawyer? Tregoran won't ask for a delay, though she should. We, the listening audience, really don't want a delay, and I suspect that a lot will be going down in the next week. Till then, this is Witherspoon and Angus Haggis signing off. Hey baby, I hear the blues are calling Tossed salads and scrambled eggs Mercy Right, now, Witherspoon has been watching the Olympics uh, And uh, hating on Susan Hating on Susan for disliking her, her employers um, What do you reckon? Um, so, hang on, let me just look at my Witherspoon notes <laughs> The thing uh, to do, Harriet, is when you're reading your notes, not make it sound like you're reading notes. I want to be honest. That's, otherwise, it sounds like I'm reading my notes, no, but I'm not being honest about you're, it. You're denuding this podcast of its magic. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so my notes aren't helping me anyway, because I can't read them. Uh, so, well, uh, yeah, but Susan's just, that's her, that's her way, isn't it? That, that's what she's like. Mm. Do you mean the fact, so the kind of, the being mean to Pat and Tony 
Um, <laughs> can you do this bit? <laughs> <laughs> well, Witherspoon's point was that uh, Susan uh, managed to not be sensitive to at all to you know Pat's feelings when she heard that Emma was babysitting for Rob and then managed to spin it all the way around so, you know, that Susan was somewhat kind of offended. Um, And his overwhelming kind of uh, point is that Susan dislikes the fact that she actually has employers. uh, And, um, you know, and that kind of came out and then a kind of a snark. Now, I I, I hear that. I hear that. But... The relationship between Pat and Susan isn't strictly, strictly, strictly speaking, boss and employee. No, exactly. Because, you know, they are also friends and they live in a tiny village. Yeah, and Susan does pat... I mean, you know, Susan does pat a favour by... I mean, I know she gets paid... By working for her. That's not a favour. No, no, I know she gets paid, but I mean, Mm. you know, she's been a loyal... She's never really been a proper employee, has she? Well, She's kind of like, they help out, don't they? No, no, they they do. But I think the very fact that they work and live cheek by jowl, um, it's not yeah, going to be... Yeah, relationship a... isn't boss and employee. No, strictly speaking, no. They're no. friends. They're, they're friends as well. They are yeah. friends as well. And so... I thought that Susan was right to stick up for her daughter. And I thought Pat was... Yeah, me too, me too. And no, no, no. I don't think Pat was overreacting. I think Pat's reaction was totally understandable, completely understandable. Uh, whether it was right or whether it was wrong, you understood where it came from. But Susan was de- uh, was defending her daughter and yeah. actually did a decent job. Yeah, really, I would have yeah. said. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I agree. Um, but then, yes, and then look, see, Witherspoon was also talking about Emma's loyalty to Helen. Mm-hmm. That's in my notes. <laughs> and we dealt with that before. Yep. Right now, um, the return of Jess. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a good thing. And but then, actually, I thought actually that background music was weird. So Jess had like classical music on really loudly mm-hmm. in the background, but it was actually quite hard to tell whether she was at home or in a shopping mall. Or maybe she I... was just at a classical music concert. Yeah. <laughs> In the middle of the Royal Albert Hall. Yeah. It was the proms. <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> I'm on the phone. <laughs> well, I think it's good that uh, Jess is back because yeah. we know well, that we. I'm not going to say we're at the end game but of this. What, but... though, it's also tiring, though. I find like. So, like, Anna interrogating Helen is. I find it tiring. You know, because Helen's going, no, I can't talk. And she's going, oh, please, no, please. And it'll be exactly the same with Jess now. It'll be like, oh, please, no, I can't say anything. Oh, go, all right, then. You know, it's just boring, don't you think? Well, I'm, like, I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired of the whole thing. Well, yeah, exactly. You know, and, so um, I don't want a kind of long, drawn out, oh, is she going to speak? Is she going to, you know, just just come to the trial, say something, and then let's just resolve it quickly. Well, no, she needs to say something before the trial so there can actually be a proper defence for Helen because the way that I see it, there's absolutely <laughs> no defence. There is there is no witnesses to Rob's, be, uh, you know, beastly behaviour. Oh. Um, and Helen hasn't mounted any defence whatsoever. 
So we need, right. you know, Jess needs to spill the beans yeah. uh, way before so a defence oh, can be mounted. I don't know anything about And then it needs stuff. to be corroborated with what Shula's going to say, um, etc. And, and even yeah. Ian, you know, because Ian uh, and, and even Fallon have got... Uh, have been witness to yeah, and Kirsty been witness to Rob's yeah, but Kirsty's batting batting for the other side though, isn't she? isn't she? She's a prosecution witness. Um, yeah, what does that mean? Is. In a <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, and the legal stuff just goes. I just all I know is the bit where then they're in court. Yeah, right. The, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Our judicial system is adversarial, so you know you, you argue against each other. Now the people defending Rob, right? Are you with me? Yeah. Right, have got Kirsty as a witness. Oh uh, yeah. Right? Oh yes. yeah. So accidentally ended up doing that, didn't she? Yeah, uh, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Right. She got so, herself in that. Yeah, yeah. It's all coming back to me. Great. Oh, it just goes a bit above my head. All that. Mm. Second and last time you co-host. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I can talk about the stuff that don't that isn't important. You okay. know, like the old the old stories, and I, I can do a few voices, but I can't. You know, I can't talk about the um the really important stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, where are we? Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improved jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Um, 
Um, I think it's time that we took a, a, a brief break because you obviously need to lie down. I think I do. When you don't have a roof over your head. Build that wall. Build that wall. There was Build nothing marked wall. classified on my wall. emails, either sent or received. Build that wall. I am humbled to have been chosen by the Conservative Party to become its leader. said Britain is just a small island that no one pays attention to. A former colony won the right to determine its own destiny. Hello and welcome to Mid-Atlantic, the show where we look at the news and the views from one side of the ocean from the perspective of the other. Do you have a National Trust sticker on your car? Do you think you could be best friends with Kath Kidson? Do you spend hours wandering around the airport looking for an organic quinoa cafe because you refuse to go to Burger King? Then Sarah Smith Cloths offer you... Available from Sainsbury's for the Posher Washer. Proud sponsors of Dumpty Dum. I've just had a look at the Dumpty Dum shop. They've got no tracksuits, but they do do t-shirts, which are very flattering. Nice if you want to show off your figure a little bit. Nick couldn't carry one off, of course, but I can. Good day, everyone. What a fabulous episode last week. That podcast was fantastic. Uh, congratulations to everyone involved. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Doing a quick roundup this week of our Facebook page, not possible because our Facebook page has been very, very busy. I didn't get a clear direction from people on the Boys Presenting Only podcast. What would you like discussed? There were far too many topics. I'm going to leave that up to the boys on the day. But I'm delighted to say that I do have someone who stepped forward to say they'll do the Facebook page roundup and the forum roundup, so you will hear a different voice uh, on the next episode. We also discussed whether um, if Shula volunteers the information she has about the hunt, whether she was going to be charged and face prison for perverting the course of justice. Um, I I was quite surprised by that. I teach legal studies in Australia and I wasn't convinced that that would be an issue here, but I'm not an expert in any way on English rules. So I asked and we I don't think we got anyone who absolutely knew the answer. Robin Winning said it's impossible to say because we don't know what she signed at the police station, if it was signed under penalty of perjury or what. Clearly she needs to get some legal advice. Uh, Pauline Midwinter suggested that she'd probably just get a warning. How could that end up in prison? I think Alistair is having an affair, hence not being worried about how Rob treated her. I must admit that was the other thing that really surprised me, how Alistair didn't get cranky about the way she'd been treated. Uh, Helen Sanson said if she spoke about how he bullied her, won't it lead credence to Helen's case? Or will it look as, as you as you say, a family member is just trying to help? Um, so, And there was a range of opinions on this, so please uh, get on and have a look. And of course become involved, because we do want your opinion. So some photos were posted up um, asking and uh, some photos were posted up showing where people listen to the um, the podcast and honest to goodness they are absolutely fantastic you've got to get on and just see all around the world where we're being listened to Audrianne uh, Delgado Covarubias is in California uh, Monique Veal in Zurich 
Um, I've got Vicky Van Gorkum in Los Angeles. Dog Font in uh, on a boat, Boston to Maine. Uh, Jane Curzon in bed in Muswell Hill. Uh, just all around the world. You just got to get on and have a look. They are fantastic photographs. Um, and post up yours. We still more than happy to receive more. Uh, we also asked, uh, does what does anyone want to uh, predict what is happening with the water at Grange Farm? Alison Molyneux Johnson says, ancient burial of the Grundy Gold has been untimely disturbed when the tree was cut down and the evil tree spirits have returned lured by the elves in Grundy's field. They now await the secret signal. A wet pony named thrice in distress during a thunderstorm. That, well, the sewer is blocked. <laughs> uh, Catherine Kavanagh says, we all know what's happening. The storm is the pathetic fallacy here. Remember, on Custard Gate night, there was a huge electric storm over much of the south of England. Yeoman Stephanie is going to be dumped in a culvert. Bye-bye, Rob. Oh, and bye-bye, Ian. And Adeline's marriage, too. Plus, bye-bye, Helen. Whether we like it or not, she gutted a man with a carving knife. So she will have to do time. Uh, just talking about the pathetic fallacy, my 12-year-old was doing a book review recently and she was talking to me about it and I said, oh, that's a really good example of pathetic fallacy. And we discussed that and she went to see her grade 6 teacher here in Australia and he said, there is no pathetic fallacy anymore. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so surely that isn't something that just kind of we grow out of. Anyway, the other thing I was going to talk say about culverts is um, I now understand the importance of culverts because uh, we've had a lot of rain and we um, have been flooded recently and it's actually been quite difficult here and we were talking to the next door neighbours who are quite old but haven't lived there very long and they were getting very distressed too and another older um, neighbour turned up remember we are in the middle of Walkwalk and we were talking about the flood and we said you know the culvert is blocked but we don't know where the culvert is and he stood back looked and said yeah well you're going the wrong way the culvert's actually up the other end uh, in the other direction sure enough we uh, dug it out and we, I can tell you there's no nobody has been drowned in it no Stephens but we now have a drained property I'm so excited sighted, and I've decided culverts are the best thing ever anyway get involved dumpty dum dot com forward slash forums or on the Facebook page see you there hooroo thank you Millie Bell uh, that was my most lovely and awesome and, as usual uh, yes as, as, as usual yeah in my break mm. I should have gone and got a glass of wine but I didn't because you didn't give me much of a break <laughs> I know it's like just a pretend break <laughs> but I did actually get up <laughs> to go and get a glass of wine and then you were back. I tell you what, Harriet, you really are out of control. <laughs> it's very hot over here today. Is it? It's very hot today, yeah. Yeah, it's been really nice. What, yeah, is, the, what, what is the temperature? Um, hot. Uh, you know, really sunny. <laughs> sunny late 20s. Mm, yeah. Lovely. How How's it over there? Uh, actually, it's... Uh... No, there's not a cloud in the sky, but it's actually not roasting hot. It's just oh. nice. Just nice. Right. Right. Now, um, I think we should start to wrap things up. <laughs> yes, I think you might be right. Mm. Um, have I got any more bits to say, though? Well, if you look at the script in oh, front of oh, you, the bits that are in red. The thing that I was thinking about. 
Go on. Oh, I know what. And, and can I just say as well, so it was Millie Bell that was talking about um, Schuler and the legal advice. And mm. yeah, that's what kind of gave me hope that um, Schuler will be okay. Because we don't know what the legal situation is, do we? With what, we don't know what she actually said to the police and what she said in her statement. Um, well, yeah. no, we we, fun, we we basically do know that oh. she backed Rob up by mm. saying that um, he didn't strike the sab or whatever. So she she basically, yeah, you know, we did. we know that she Rob really struck the struck the sab, lost his rag, and she said that didn't happen. Yes, you're right. Actually, yeah. thinking about it, remembering it, yeah, she actually is. Uh, mm, she, yeah, she is risking, isn't she, mm. going to the police? Okay, you just. Let me know when I can start to wrap this show up, and I'll do that. Um, oh, can I just say my bit that I was today? Okay. Because so this is like my bit now. Mm. Um, so I was... Uh... <laughs> Go on. <laughs> well, I was, this was the only bit I prepared. I didn't prepare it, but today I thought... So we were in the park, and they were doing a Punch and Judy show. Mm-hmm. And what's quite amazing is punch and judy shows are 354 years old according to the man that was doing it but anyway and it was obviously very um it was a very modern punch and judy show so it was judy doing the hitting and not punch and but punch did throw the baby down the stairs but it made me think oh it's rob so he's like mr punch isn't he it's not just rob it sounds like donald trump too you know he's kicking kicking babies out of out of um press conferences and whatever oh, did you really? not hear that this week there's a baby who's crying and he told the baby told the, the baby well told the mother of the baby to leave oh my god i didn't know that mm. didn't hear that mm. wow so and you're saying that judy in effect was helen well no in the olden punch and judy shows you know it was mm. mr punch that was constantly knocking judy about and being abusive mm. but from the outside he's everyone's friend isn't he he's funny and every people love him and just made me think of i'm him. surprised that in these enlightened times there even still is punch and judy shows well no but the thing is that's what was interesting so the guy that was doing because i i vaguely remember like watching a punch and judy show when i was about five and i didn't i remember not thinking it was very funny but he had these kids and they were you know age three to seven well loads of different ages of kids they were all completely uh enraptured but before he did the show he said he did say let's remember this is theater and he made a big deal about that mm. and then and then it wasn't kind of mr punch mr punch didn't ever hit judy so judy did hit hit mr punch a lot and punch did throw the baby down the stairs but you know it doesn't really because but the fact he said, and actually I thought it was quite sad that he had to remind us that it's theatre because it is theatre and it's just silliness, isn't it? People, puppets hitting each mm. other. It doesn't mean well, anything. I mean, I... no, because it kind of shows you that, you know, the sensibilities of the time have moved on yeah. from where that yeah. original bit of drama was, was created. Yeah. And I saw a, a similar thing in To Catch a Thief. Now, To Catch a Thief is a film with Cary Grant, and I love Cary Grant. And um, I I had a shop, like some 20-plus years ago, clothes shop, and I nearly named my shop Cary Grant. That's how much I love, love that man. And um, in To Catch a Thief... Oh, a uh, shop. <laughs> it was in a shock. 
<laughs> I was like, what, what, what shit? You had to name a shock. It was that bad. <laughs> the trauma was that terrible. Sorry, anyway, sorry, a shop. Yeah. Yeah. You're hard to work with, you are. <laughs> anyway, um, To Catch a Thief is set in the south of France and Cary Grant is this uh, kind of gentleman thief who's accused of uh, thieving and, and he actually doesn't. Um, but there's a scene in it, right, and I watched this at the BFI a couple of years ago and halfway through he just slaps this woman oh yeah and you could have heard a pin drop god and 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 if you roll back if you roll back to films of the you know the 30s the 40s the 50s men were forever slapping women you know you know she was being hysterical and you'd slap her to bring her back around and whatever and a level of casual violence towards women yeah. was totally acceptable and you have this suave handsome Cary Grant and because this film was shot in 1955 every now and then something would happen and there'd be a little bit of a titter because it was just so uh, ridiculous and whatever though it's an absolutely a classic film but I tell you no one was laughing when he just slapped her around the chops okay. No, that's that and you, is... and you had to remember. In effect, it was it's a period piece, and attitudes yeah. to to women were, were different then. Yeah, they weren't right, but they were different. Yeah, no, that that is shocking, obviously. But Punch and Judy, and of course, yeah, the Punch and Judy thing is a thing of its time, obviously. And but it is theatre. Hmm. But no, I just thought it was. I thought it was. I thought it was interesting that the guy basically had to explain to the kids he had to explain to the kids that this is theatre and it's kind of pretend and not real but you know I don't, I don't ever remember watching Punch and Judy I mean it's because it's so ridiculous the puppets look ridiculous as well you would never think it's a reflection of reality you know mm. like like that yeah. but, but you know it's and it kind of goes and I know we jokingly try to put a reference here to Donald Trump um, he did look know. like Donald Trump, though, because <laughs> red nose. You know, so Donald Trump this week orders this woman with a crime baby out of uh, this rally because he couldn't concentrate. One of the reasons why Donald Trump has been successful uh, in getting the Republican nomination is because certain people are fed up with political correctness. They want yeah. politicians, people in, in the public yeah. eye, to say exactly what they think and not to... And not to be incumbent by by language, yeah. and the same thing goes for actions. In that, some people would say um, Punch and Judy plays on centuries old, eons old attitudes to women, whereby a woman was a chattel of her husband and could be slapped about. Yes, yeah. they are puppets, but they, but we have moved on as a society, as a culture, and we need to put that completely beside us. And you could construct an argument that says, well, yes, and that is the reason why then he needs to, the, the puppeteer needs to frame it as this is theatre, this is also historic, and this yeah. because this is not the way that we, um, you know, we, we treat women now. Um, and and it, I just think I just think it's actually an interesting debate. 
in that there are many people that say, well, we are robust enough as, as a society that we can have this, and, it, and we all understand the context of it. But yeah. then some people say that then it just legitimises misogyny. You know, so you can argue it every which way, but, uh, you know, some people say, oh, it's just puppet, it's just a bit of a nostalgia, yeah. just puppets and whatever. Yeah. Uh, but then you, 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 you then argue that it's um, impressionable minds and uh, and legitimizing um violence so yeah well that's the thing it, it was very violent even though they were they're just wooden puppets and judy sounded like a bloke because Patrick, that kind of voice. and judy was talking like that so it was quite <laughs> if, if you're like five yeah i think you didn't you couldn't work out who was who anyway but it was just basically puppets bashing each other but the kids thought it was hilarious mm. and it was you know it was sweet <laughs> maybe it shouldn't have been sweet i was going oh as these like <laughs> kids were tittering over these characters beating each other up but um no he was great actually <laughs> um right oh. you know what um, we're oh, gonna do okay sorry sorry quickly mm. uh so i went on the dumpty dum website mm. on facebook and those pictures are brilliant where people are, list, you know, sending in where they're listening it, to it. From. Are you trying to just knacker my little notes here deliberately? <laughs> oh, were you going to do that? Of course I, I was. Oh, sorry, Roy. Oh, sorry. Oh, we well, should just edit it out. Why? Okay, right. Now, that in my listen, notes. we're going we're gonna to do this, right? And it's going to go a bit like this. Right, okay. dumdum.com. Please go there. We've got a shop. You can buy some stuff which has got the dumdum.com logo on it. Please go there. It's awesome. It's also got a forum where people talk about stuff. And we talked about Mid Miss City, who has just been playing a total blinder on that forum. So go on to dumdum.com for the shop, the forum, and other great dumdum things. Now, iTunes, please write us um, a review. It's really important. You don't need to have an iPhone, an iPod, or anything that has I in front of it to write a review. Just have the internet. Got the internet? Go on there. It's true. Uh, (laughs) Go onto the internet. Go onto iTunes. Sign up. Write a review. Awesome. Five stars. Thank you very much, please. Now, another way you can help us is by uh, keeping our little show on the road. Now, there are specifically two ways this that this can be done. You can donate by hitting the donate button on our site, or you can go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, search for Dumpty Dum, and you can donate $2 a show, which is about pound thirty. Cool. Now, remember to get in contact. You can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe on our site or call us on 0203-031-3105 to leave us a telephonic message. Um, on social media, you can find us specifically Twitter, where we're at Dumpty Dum. Me, I'm at Royfield. Sarah Smith is at Sarah underscore Smith. Uh, Lucy is Lucy V. Freeman. And Harriet is at Shambridges. On the Book of Face, you'll find us by typing in Dumpty Dum. And we have some 1,300-odd liker-lurkers. Who oh, can lose... I just ask everyone to like Shambridge as well on Facebook? Oh, I didn't <laughs> even know that you had a, a Shambridge no, face. I know, oh. because I keep forgetting about it. But you've got but one you... now. Yeah, thanks. Can you just, right. if, if people like it, then that then I might remember about it. All right, cool. I'm right. going to do that. It's now. Shambridges. No, do you think it's just called Shambridge, actually? <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> now, last week, Exeter Dormouse started something which was brilliant. most brilliant. 
and yep. he took a picture of himself on the Conway estuary uh, with his little pooch and it just looked all kind of bleak and I said oh that's just great please do that you've been doing that in your droves on the book of face and on the twitters and some of the pictures are truly oh, truly stunning lovely. we've had people all over the globe who've been sending in pictures of where and how they listen to dum de dum so uh, we've had um, America we've had uh, Rhode Island we've had California we've had Places in Dorset, we've had Portugal, yes, the Algarve, we had Cyprus, we've had um, New Zealand, we've had Perth, Australia, uh, we've had somebody about to run over a pedestrian in the middle of London. It's just funny, just... I saw that. <laughs> it's that was absolutely funny. stunning. So, uh, the hashtag, if you're going to put this on Twitter, is where I listen to Dum De Dum. Oh, we've had a few bedrooms as well as well so the mm. and um, it's andrew horn's swimming pool yes well i don't think it's actually his swimming pool it was well, it's basically really stopping nice. in cyprus uh we've had quite a few dogs on leads as well yeah uh, haven't we uh joanne jackson uh who's walking her dog um so please continue to send those in because those are absolutely lovely have you sent one in uh no have you <laughs> No, <laughs> but you should <laughs> because you're in an interesting place. I'm not in a very interesting place at the moment, but you are uh, in a you know lovely place by the beach. I'm not Somewhere. by the beach. Oh, aren't you? I'm in the Bay oh. Area, but I'm not by the beach. Oh, hmm. but uh, maybe, maybe I will. Maybe I will. Yeah. I will too. Hmm. Right. So continue to send those in because those are lovely, lovely, lovely. And I will put them, uh, if you put them on Facebook, I'll, I'll tweet them out as well. Oh, and also I love Leslie G, who's special diet one, who was on the ferry between West Ray and Kirkwall uh, on the way to Orkney. And there's a nice picture of just the side of her head uh, as, as, <laughs> oh as the camera just looks out onto this bleak ocean. <laughs> yeah. But there are some lovely, thing. lovely, lovely shots. So, yes. <laughs> Oh, and special props go out to Glyn Full of Love, who's on the 52 bus on the way to Royal Albert Hall. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they're really sending them in. They're lovely. Cheers. All right. Uh, good. Right then. Thanks. Next week is Man's Hour. Oh, can't wait. Yeah, it's good. I've not, yeah. I mean, I'll be listening. Have you, you sorted it out? Nope. But uh, I've got seven days to do that. So um, it's going to be me and uh, Andrew Horn and uh, Yokel Bear who will be presenting. And then, yes, yeah, Stephen Fry will not be part of it. <laughs> or Adrian Childs, yeah, as you kept on banging on about last week. Yeah, I, I assume he got in touch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> His he agent did. did. Yeah, yeah. Good. Right then. Oh, thanks been really nice <laughs> i'm glad one of us enjoyed it Rightfield. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry i wasn't really on the ball was i, no, I thought no, no. it's going to be really on the ball this week but yeah i i realized th- i know this is your mo now you know studied <laughs> organized chaos you know i can't do production i mean you know i can i can you know i can do something if i've got a script i'll do the whole script fine 
I can't really, um, yeah, I can't just, I just can't really remember things like, mm. you know, like what happened like in the office. How, to, how to pause and let other people talk. <laughs> <laughs> I need a whole script with everything on it, and then things like you know stage directions, basically. <laughs> Uh, so, but no, it's been really nice. No, it's been, it's really been lovely having you. Oh, also, thanks for having me. I have enjoyed it, honestly. But, it's been really good. Well, we're going to have um, to have you on again soon because, by by the looks of things on on Twitter, people did enjoy you being on the show. I really liked that they thought I sounded like Kate. Oh, that is brilliant. I yeah, I think she's she sounds great. And uh, mm. uh, I didn't do any impressions. Uh, but I'll just end with a quick one. Okay, what should I say? And who do you want? Um... Oh, do you want Kirsty? Oh, yeah, give us Kirsty. She's quite easy to do. Hang on, Tom Sausages. No, Tom. What are you doing, Helen? Hang on, hang on. You haven't heard from me for a while because I've been um, back up. Oh, hang on, I have things. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard. Improvises Kirsty and think of something to say. Sausages. Sausages, Tom. Thanks for having me on the show, Rife. I've I've been wanting to come on for a long while, but I've been busy trying to get Helen off. And the reason you haven't heard me on the show, oh, I mean on the Archers much, is because I've been banging on the walls at that penitentiary that Helen's at and trying to get her to stop being friends with that Kaz because she, she means nothing. She's just trying <laughs> to manipulate Helen in the way that Rob sent her in there. It's all part of his plan. So, <clears throat> anyway, that's where I've been. Anyway, see you soon on the Archers, I'm sure, back in Ambridge. Ciao for now. Penitentiary? Is that what you where, said? Where the hell is this thing set? She's That's where she is. She's in a, well, she's in a mother and baby unit um, in a clink, in a bloody prison <laughs> penitentiary, the wrong side of the Atlantic. But in anyway. my head, she's got... She's in a kind of, you know, in a horrible... Yeah, my point is we don't refer to those institutions this side of the Atlantic as... A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Tentries. Wasn't me, it was Kirsty. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever's. All right, love. Love you right. lots. Good see, to see you soon. Thank see you. you. Soon. Bye. Have a good week. We'll do. Bye bye. <laughs>